everybody, it's Andrew Davis, aka the Jolly Gorgeous. Welcome to the show for Toon Talk Radio on 0191-538-9781. Remember to click to www.toontalk.co.uk and also after the show go to iTunes and just go to Toon Talk and you listen back to all of my guests that we've had on the show for the last four years I believe. So it's going to be interesting to see what you think of the, the past guests I've had on Newcastle United, boxing, acting, film, it's had it all on this show. Well, uh, an interesting weekend again with Newcastle United, nicely winning, Rafa Benitez getting a nice little visit from Mr Charlie uh, and uh, Mr Bishop, the Chuckle, the Chuckle Brothers as I call them, and also we had the big fight with Anthony Joshua, and as well as Sunderland actually winning at the weekend and then losing the end today which my main guest in Steve Wraith had had a great pleasure with playing today. Good evening to you Steve, how are you? Yeah, good evening Andrew, how are you? Not too bad. Remember Steve is an actor, writer, producer, MD of Newcastle Legends, a moisturising books, a professional boxer, promoter and manager, Spotlight.com. So, obviously you've, you've got a lot of things, a lot of pies and um, what's been your Take. We'll get to the box and we'll get to the acting in a bit. But um, what, what's been your thoughts on the season that, interestingly, uh, Rafa Benitez mentions uh, is not something he's enjoyed? I mean, you know, since we last spoke, things are things are certainly on the up. Um, I think yeah. I've spoken on this show before about uh, Rafa Benitez and and the second half of the season. He always mm-hmm. tends to do well in the second half of the season. It's uh, there in the record books at, at various clubs. Uh, he gets a chance to get players. In, in the summer, they, they get used to his techniques and his methods and his coaching, you know, techniques and and essentially they, you know, they get round to the Rafa Benitez way of playing and thinking and uh, you know the second half of the season always seems to be the strongest part of the season for Rafa and sure enough that's what's happening again. You know, three last three home games, you know, three wins, three clean sheets, and you know the back four looking solid. Um, obviously the the acquisition of uh, the new keeper Dubravka is. Has certainly improved things massively. We've we've got the first goalkeeper since I think before Shea Given. You know, well since Shea Given, we've never really had anybody who could come out and command the area and catch a ball. Every keeper we've had between the sticks has been a shot stopper. Um, we've got you know we've got a, a great keeper in here now who commands the area, comes for crosses, uh, barks orders at the back four, keeps them organised. I mean, it's just it's just a breath of fresh air and. And, and that has really lifted the, the the confidence. You know, certainly for Lejeune, he um, he looks a lot more composed on the ball. Uh, he's obviously the more experienced of the two centre halves. And you know, the fact that Lejeune is playing well is, is is enabling the cells to to flourish. And you know, the full back situation is is great as well. You know, De Yedlin is you know he's he's made that place his own on the on the right hand side, and, and Dummett is just come on leaps and bounds after, you know, in his early career being ridiculed by certain sections of the support has become a solid left back. You know, he's, he's always been a good defender to me. And, um, my, you know, he is, he's probably quickly become my, you know, one of my favourite players in this, in this particular team. But it's, it's great to see there's, um, you know, there's just a, there's a togetherness there. Rafa's, you know, Rafa's managed to get them together, um, you, you know, and, and focused on the job in hand and, taking each game as it comes. Rafa can take the pressure off with the interviews that he does after the game. It's it's just a pleasure to see. You know, it's um 
I've enjoyed this season. I know it sounds daft, you know, especially struggling at the start of the season, but it's just it's the transition. It's it's watching Rafa do what he does best, and you know, I, I did a, I did a talk in on uh, Saturday night with John Beresford, and you know, the only thing we really disagree on is the way that he set up against Man City. You know, he still feels yeah. we should have attacked Man City at home, and. I, I enjoyed that game because it was just a battle of tacticians, you know. It was a it was a battle of somebody who's got unlimited funds to spend on players, and a battle of against against a manager who, you know, has been you know you know given nothing of great interest to spend in either transfer window this year, you know, a net spend of nineteen million pound, and it's uh, just great to see, you know, it's um it's been it's it's you know there hasn't been lots of exciting games, but there's been lots of tactical games and. Uh, you know, getting out of the other players he's brought in, you know, Kennedy in the transfer window, you know, when he, when he knew he wasn't going to get money to spend, you know, he, he probably anticipated it and he, he, he had probably two lists. One where, you know, he's, he's got a vast amount of money to spend or a decent amount of money to spend and once he knew that he wasn't going to get anything, he, he reverted to this other list and, you know, he's found Dubravka who he could sign for four million and he's, uh, Kennedy seems to have fitted right in, not just to the team, but into our pattern of player style of play. And we've got, uh, you know, got an option to buy him as well. I would think, you know, if if, if um, we can if we can come up with the money and the price, so things are looking great. And Slomani, you know, we've had to, we've had to wait to see him in a black and white shirt, and we've only seen him now for 15 minutes. But uh, what I saw was, you know, I liked what I saw, and you know, he can't play next week because we'll play Leicester. But um, I put money on Slomani getting a goal against Arsenal and getting a decent run out. He's got another two weeks of intense training and get himself back into match fitness and. Uh, I can see Slomani notching against Arsenal and us coming up with another, another you know, uh, interesting result against a, a team in the in the top six. Yeah, I think uh, that's probably the main thing, isn't it? It's, um, I think with Slomani, obviously, he's been getting a lot of stick. Um, Newcastle fans worry about the fact, well, he hasn't played and he's injured. We bought him, you know, we're on the hook for a certain amount of money because, you know, the, the loan deal. Um, but the one thing I took from it all is at least we got him in one. I I think uh, a lot of people have been saying well we should have kept uh, Mitrovic as well just in case whatever happens in Newcastle you can't you can't beat having all, a lot of extra players there even ones that uh, Rafa doesn't re- really want want to keep or put in the team. But I, I did I thought it was quite funny when he said uh, Rafa said oh yeah well when he goes to when he goes to Fulham. I hope he scores up to 20 games. And uh, looking at uh, the way that Mitrovic's been notching, <laughs> he's making a bit of a point, isn't he? Like the fact that he scored. I would. I'd flip it round the other way about Mitrovic. What I would say about Mitro is, you know, I, you know, I'm not a fan of Mitrovic, as you know, and I personally feel that this just, you know, this just backs up my argument really more so about Mitrovic, about his attitude at Newcastle United under Rafa, because. You know, if 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 he is playing well at uh, Fulham and he's he is scoring goals and he's not causing any problems, uh, you know, disciplinary wise, he's he's not acting up, he's not coming onto the pitch and kicking people and punching people. Then, you know, it's you know, why wasn't he doing that at St James's Park? Why wasn't he putting in his best efforts when he got the opportunity? Because you know, it's not as if Rafa didn't give him, didn't give him a chance. Um, you know, when he did get in the team and when he did get a chance when we were injured. You know, he just didn't take it. And, you know, he, he, the only person to blame for Mitrovic not doing well at Newcastle is Mitrovic. And, you know, it's, it's, it's as simple as that for me. I'm, I'm delighted he's scoring goals at Fulham because it's quite clear that Rafa doesn't want him on his team. 
um, doesn't want him at the club. And the more goals he scores at Fulham, um, the more chance we've got of selling them and, and bringing some money in in the uh, in the transfer window in the summer. So, you know, that that that's my view on Mitrovic. I think, you know, this goes down really. It has to go down really as one of Rafa Benitez's uh, you know best seasons as a manager because there's a say nineteen million pound net spend this season. Um, left to bring left to bring loan players in when other people are you know other managers have got like vast pools of money to spend. It's um, it's been superb and it's 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 guessing what Ashley does next because you know Ashley rolls the dice. We, he's a gambler. We know he is, and you know he, he, he you know the conversation I've had with Ashley in the past where he said you know I come in at the start of the season see how things are and. You know, I, I make a decision on how much the manager can spend, and then I come in at the end of the season, see what the books are like, and decide what they can spend in the summer. And that's he, he treats it like a business, and uh, he's going to come in, and he's going to come in in May, isn't he? And he's going to go. Well, we only spent 19 million, and you know, we finished wherever we end up finishing. We could finish 10th, you know. And he's going to say, well, you know, I don't really need to spend a great deal of money with this man. We just need to keep the the, the manager at the helm, you know. And that's going to be. That's going to be interesting what happens in the summer, you know. We've obviously got the takeover still lurking in the background. There's still that potential that something could happen. And, you know, you know, a lot of the consensus of opinion seems to be that if Newcastle secure the Premier League place, that, um, you know, that Amanda Stavely's going to come back in with a bid or, you know, if not Amanda, somebody else. Um, you know, that you know that remains to be seen. We'll just have to wait and see what happens on that score. Um, I, I, it's died a death to take over talk, which is good. And you know, with the exception of the the article that appeared in the Independent last week, uh, you know, I think it's best that it does, you know, disappear uh, any take over talk until we know that you know our Premier League survival is guaranteed. Yeah, I, I think uh, the one the one article I saw was from the Telegraph, but uh, Luke Edwards um, insinuated there was there was two bits like on top of Amanda Stavely. And I, I'm with you on that. I think, well, I'd rather not hear it because even today, you know, with uh, it worked, I was talking to a few people in the diehard Newcastle United fans and everybody's thinking, well, yeah, he'll keep us up. But, you know, with the situation with Ashley, um, you know, a lot of fans don't begrudge the fact that if, if um, Rafa does leave and goes to a bigger team with, with well, I don't want to say a bigger team, but... <laughs> A team that fits his ambition uh, of yeah. being a team that can really, you know, do well in the cups, uh, have decent, have you know, really top top players in his in his team. Um, that's the worry, isn't it? Uh, especially on Saturday. I don't think I, I don't think we'll lose him. I, I think I, I certainly think we'll have him next season. And I think you know he's got a year left on his contract. And I think. Um, you know, Ashley, Ashley, you know, Ashley has to see sense. I think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, he wants to sell the club. He has to, he has to, you know, reason with any potential buyer that comes in. But I think with with Rafa, I think Rafa is in it for the, the long haul. And I watched the football focus interview on Saturday with him and on BBC One, and it was brilliant. You know, he's he's very happy here. Um, you know, he's talking about the project. He's talking about what he wants to do in the summer and what he wants to do next season and how important it is that the fans are behind the, the, the players and the players appreciate the fans. And it was a really positive piece. You know, you need, you know, you, you and your listeners need to watch, you know, that if you can get on uh, BBC iPlayer catch up. Um, it was a refreshing interview. There was none of the, there was none of the depression and depressive, you know, quote, uh, etc. You know, he's, he's just got on with it. And that's what I say. It's, it's been Rafa's, 
probably one of Rafa's most successful seasons. He's not going to win a trophy, but when you look at what he was given and what's actually happened in the process, of, like throughout the process of this season, he's, he's you know, he's, he's kept Newcastle up. I'm, you know, I know we're not mathematically safe yet, but he's all but done it now, you know. And uh, I, you know, I could even say that in current form, Newcastle, you know, may may possibly get four points out of the next two games against Leicester and Arsenal. And that sets us up nicely, you know, as we're coming into the West Brom game. It's, you know, we could. It, it, it's not beyond the realms of possibility with Newcastle and Rafa Benitez as manager that you know we could end up with, a, as I say, a top ten finish here. And um, that would really be remarkable when you consider where we were um, at the early part of the season. So I'm, I'm confident. You know, I've you know I've, I've always said since Rafa arrived, and obviously I've been in a lucky position to be. You know, uh, you know, in 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 to see Rafa on on more than one occasion after the game. Um, you know, you know, since he came, and and build up a rapport with him and build up a relationship with him. And uh, yeah, I, I I trust Rafa to do a job, and I'm I'm pleased and delighted he's still our our manager. You know. Yeah, I think um, you know, he got to. I think it, obviously the win was tremendous, and it was interesting when you see the footage of when the goal went in. Everybody was up. And uh, he's just sitting there calmly, uh, you know, talking to the players. The two players that come to mind, probably three of them, is, is Lascelles and Shelby and Dummett. Yeah. Uh, the, way that, the way that he's moulded them, that trio. And we can't forget the, the fact that Mordiami, who was he's just in fury at me and many, many Newcastle United fans, a punch to the gob seems to have changed his season around. and. You know, obviously I know Chelsea's been linked and, and Lascelles with, with England. Uh, it just shows, isn't it, with a, a manager that lives and breathes football, you have to have that in your cash United. You've got to have somebody who understands exactly every day what's going to come at you. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right about the you're right about You're right about the army. I mean, you know, I've I, I ambassadored him on more than one occasion on here, I think, in the past. And, you know, I've... I'm not one who takes to Twitter and slags players off, but you know when when you come on here, you can you know you come onto a radio show, you can you give your opinion, and you know at the time you know the army's accepted, and, and and I've seen quotes in his interviews in the Chronicle um, over the last few you know weeks that he was letting himself down, you know, so it's he he accepted that as well, and uh, you know he he just he's come back with this fantastic attitude, and since the turn of the year, the army has been like a new player. And, you know, for us, that's 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 really really helped us. And he linked he linked up with Shelby. Um, you know, it was evident again against Huddersfield on Saturday. He just became, you know, he's become like a almost like a world beater, which is uh, which is which is bizarre, really. Um, but you know, he's turned it round. Uh, however, he's turned it round. It's it's you know, it's credit to him. And um, you know, Shelby, you know, Shelby is just in in, in current form is, is is international class. You know, he, he won't get picked to go to the World Cup unless. You know, there's an injury, uh, an injury or two to, to the players that are already going. But Shelby would certainly suit, you know, Gareth Southgate's team. Um, I'm afraid that Lascelles won't go to the World Cup. I'm, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I'm, I'm pleased. Neither of them have been selected because obviously I would hate to see them get injured and affect our Premier League survival. But you know, with, with Lascelles, I think the way that Southgate sets up the England team, um, he likes ball. He likes a ball playing centre half, and Lascelles isn't that. Do you know what I mean? He's not one. He's not. A, he's not a centre half that's comfortable with the ball at his feet and playing the ball out. And that's what Southgate's trying to do with his team. Um, and I, I, I couldn't see Lascelles getting in. I think that's that's the reasoning behind Lascelles not being selected. And you know, uh, 
it'll be interesting, you know, if there is injuries, you know, there's still a there's still a way to go in the season and uh, you know, Shelby may well just be the the, the person who ends up getting that late call and going out there and discipline wise he's still a bit you know, he's still a bit of a loose cannon, you know, he's, he's you know, there's still things going on off the ball yeah, every now and then and yeah, I mean he was lucky not to get he was lucky not to get brought up with something on Saturday and um, you know, if that had if that had been if that had been highlighted, you know, he would have been probably, you know, suspended again. But um luckily that hasn't happened and you know, he's he's only black marked against them the Tottenham Hotspur game at the start of the season, you know, and and again you look back at that game, it seems like a you know, a light light years ago now, but you know, it was a much worse foul in that game when uh, Harry Kane took Lejeune out, you know, yet yeah, that went that went unpunished. So it's um but yeah, look, it's been it's been positive. It's been a it's been a really good for me. It's been a really good season when you think about it. You know, we came we've, we've literally just come up from the from the Premier League. You know, and you know, gone are the days of a team coming up like Kevin Keegan's entertainers and you know getting a top you know a top four finish in in the first season. These things don't happen anymore. Um, it's it you know I think if if we finish tenth or twelfth. Newcastle fans would, would have took you, you know, you would snap, you would have snapped their hands off at the start of the season if somebody would offered you that, you know. Yeah, I think uh, the interesting thing was that Kevin Keegan was back in the area last week. I, probably the only thing that surprised me is that you didn't have him up here <laughs> publicising a big event because I'm, I'm sure it's, well, it would have been a massive uh, event I've considering asked, what, what, what it was. I've asked, I've asked Kevin a few things, but unfortunately, the times I've asked him, he doesn't like coming up to do events in, in the area, um, you know too close to each other so I've missed out in recent times bringing Kevin up I've never actually put Kevin on doing after dinner obviously he's come up and played he's part in the uh, the Legends game for us which was which was fantastic coming back to manage the team uh, one last time and you know of course he, he last substitute in football um, was me so you know it's uh, you know if I never get him up for a talk and he can always say that I was his last ever substitute in football um, but it's been no, I mean I've seen the interviews. Well, I've seen interviews, the quotes that have been put into the the paper. Um, obviously, there must have been a journalist there from the Chronicle, like the Grove yeah. Casino, and Grove, I think, yeah. they've transcripted it and put it in. And it's, there's nothing really new in there. It's just because uh, because Kevin does virtually the same show each time he comes up. But, um, but yeah, look, I'm, I'm you know it's always it's always one to look at. I was I was with Terry McDermott on Saturday and. Uh, Terry was, you know, me and Terry were talking about potentially doing something at some point. So yeah, you know, never say never. I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll get it out at some point. Yeah, I think uh, that, that's probably the one, the one great thing that you've, you've been doing is bringing all these players up here, and you know, the, the, fact, the insatiable need for the Newcastle fans to, you know, speak. It's, it's always interesting to me that, you know, when, when we have these talkings with these with the fans, they were, they were just so desperate. Plus the feel-good factor. But yes, we've got you know, we've got Rafa Benitez. We want to be able to have a team eventually, hopefully next season, that can mm-hmm. really tilt with 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 the signs that he needs. The one thing I took from everything that's been said with Newcastle and the past, the past and present players, is that when you when you look at them all, uh, they just you know they want to be able to have a, a, a players that can tilt at the top, get us off our seats. Um, I think everybody's going to be relieved when the season's over with because, you know, with, with these 500 players that's on on uh, it's Rafa's list, it's a huge list, obviously, uh, but with Newcastle, you can imagine, like you said earlier, you've got plan A, you've got plan B, you've got plan C. With Newcastle's transfer dealings, you know, you're normally on plan F, E, F, G, H, I, J, K because you don't quite know 
um, you know, how what who which player we're going to be allowed to buy, and that feeds into the, the you know the insecurities as a Newcastle fan of where we're going to be in the next well two or three years, isn't it? Because all this club needs is stability, and um, when the the managers come back, um, the players come back, you know we we all get accused of um, living on the past when it was when it was good, when it was bad, when it was indifferent. But that's the difference with Newcastle United. And it's interesting that the London, um, you probably read it when John Cross mentioned the one the one set of fans who don't leave the club is Newcastle United fans. And that's mm. Arsenal fans who've got a, I think it's 68,000 in it, their capacity. And they're not going because they don't, they, they're, not, they're not happy with the direction of the club and everything of that nature. Well, you know, there's the only reason there's 52,000 every week at Newcastle is, is because of one man. And uh, yeah. you, you can imagine if it goes the other way, <laughs> it's not, it, the, people just won't go there anymore. But I think... Um, it's always a hard, I mean, it's always a hard call. You, you'd, lose, you'd lose a high percentage, I think, if Rafa went. But, you know, listen, I mean, I, I, I'm a big Rafa fan, as you know, and... Um, if he left, you know, it, it would feel like the end of the world, I'm sure. But you know, there's always someone else who's going to come in and replace your manager. You know, it's it's part and parcel of it. You know, it's uh, you know, it, it happens at your football club. You don't just stop supporting your football club because the manager leaves. It's you know, I, I think people would have felt like you know, you know, they were never going to you know, never going to be able to get over Kevin Keegan leaving, but they did. You know, and that's happened. You know, it's happened three times as a player and as a manager twice. But you know, it, it would have a, it would have an effect. There's a lot of people say it would walk away, but you know, you find it difficult to walk away from a club that you support. You know, and that's 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 the difference, really. Um, I think you know, I, 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 it was interesting to see that you know the report that Charlie and Bishop had been down yeah. to see Rafa after the game. Um, if you know if they'd gone down to see him, then. You know, it's a positive. You know, it's you know, it's always good to hear that they've gone down to have a chat with with the manager and see what the situation is. Maybe you know, congratulate them on a win, whatever you know, whatever they've gone down for. We don't know why they've gone down there, but you know, if they've gone down to uh, to discuss things or set the ball rolling on potential business for next year, then you know, happy days. You know, um, I think most of us. Most fans will be hoping that they've gone down to say, well, you know, we'll not be here for much longer, Rafa, so don't worry, you know, that'll be great. But, you know, who knows what the, who knows what the, you know, who knows what the conversation was. We can, you know, we can speculate, or, you know, the cows come on. But, um, you know, just, it is, it's refreshing. I always find it refreshing, you know, to, to, to hear that they've gone down there to see the manager because, you know, it can only be a positive that. Yeah, I was, when I heard that, I saw that uh, Lee... Lee Ride, of course, broke that saying they'd gone down to speak with him. That again, like you said, that's the way I took it. I thought, well, they're going down to say, well, you know, is there any way we can talk about a contract? But I thought at the same time, well, the only person he wants to hear from from the horse's mouth would be Mike Ashley. He doesn't want to. Yeah. He wouldn't want to speak to two guys who, essentially, well, the, the, you know, play lift service, don't they? Both of them. Yeah. It, it could be a positive that he has turned around and said, listen. Well, the club is closer to being sold, and we would like to give you a five-year deal. But it's to me, it's illogical because he's only going to sign a, a massive deal if there's something on the horizon. But get, getting back to the, you know to the the performances, I've been a major, major. I've had a major issue with um, Iosi Perez uh, playing the way he does, and I've looked at the the stats and um, with with him in the team, actually Newcastle have a better win percentage. 
but until he scored that goal uh, on Saturday and it's interesting to hear afterwards that Rafa have had a word with him to say listen get you know get get in the centre get more on the end of things and then here Presto after absolutely sublime work by Kennedy he scores a winning goal but he definitely divides opinion and I actually was looking forward to after Marino had been suggesting that he would be in the uh, a bit more f- forward in the team, I thought Perros was very, very lucky to be in that team Saturday, but what a contribution that he gave. Yeah, Perez played well. I mean, I'm, I am a fan of Perez. Um, you know, he's never let us down, I don't think. He, he always works hard. He tries his best. You know, like all players, he can have an off day. Um, but, you know, he, he, he worked his socks off. He, it was him and Dummett for me. Um, you could, you know, you could have picked out one or two other players. I mean, Shelby, Shelby just put it in standard performance, you know. Uh, but for me, Perez was outstanding on Saturday, and of course, he, he came up with a winner as well after some unselfish work by Kennedy. But he's just quick. He, he you know, he, he, he can play in the Premier League as well. You know, the, the season we were relegated, he was, he was putting goals in. You know, he chipped in in the Championship season, and I like him. Do you know what I mean? And you have to remember, he was bought as a development player. You know, he was never bought to be a first team player, but he was thrust into the uh he was thrust into the first team, you know, due to injuries and he's never looked back and um he's learning all the time. Forget how young he is, you know, he's not like he's not like an an old experienced pro. He's he's still learning he's he's still learning his craft and he's getting better each time and you know, you can see that Rafa's improved him as a player as well. So you know, I'm pleased. I mean, you've got to remember we haven't had a centre forward this season. You know, we've had Dwight Gailey who you know, had a you know had a mental block about this injury at the start of the season, which affected his performances, and he seems to have got over that now. He he was disappointed, obviously, about the the opportunities he missed in the first half, and you know he had his head down, but you know he he obviously as he was going off the pitch, you know, Paco, you know, put his arm around him and had a chat with him, and you could you know it's just it's obviously getting him when he's missing chances, but you know, Gail Gail can score goals in the Premier League, but he's never going to get you twenty goals, you know, he, you know, best he your best he gets you is ten, and that's what you want from your midfielders. Um, but you know, from my point of view, you know, you know, we brought Jocelyn in as we know. He was only five million, five million striker, and you know, again, I know he's been criticised a lot, especially on social media by people. But he's, he's still scored some, he's still scored some vital goals for us. You know what I mean? He's, he's been there, and when he's been needed, he's, he's done the job. So we haven't got a, a you know, a, a twenty-goal striker though, and you know, Slamani's come in now, just really as there's somebody to put a bit of pressure on the people who are in that, you know, in the centre forward role, um, and I'm sure I'm sure he'll get one or two goals before he before he goes back to Leicester. But we do need that, you know, addressing in the summer. We need to bring in one, maybe two forwards. Um, great to see Adam Armstrong scoring another couple of goals. I know that I know it's a different league, and you know I I, I don't believe that Rafa would will give him a chance. I think he want I think he want a more experienced player to come in. But listen. Good, good on Armstrong again. He's gone away. He's, he's starting to, he's starting to bang goals in again. And you know, and, and as, he, as he rightly said, Mitro scoring goals at um, as Fulham, and you know that, that you know that'll lead to them. You know, maybe open that price tag a little bit and bringing in hopefully some more money. And so until we know the situation in the summer as to what you know who's who's, who's got the the reins of the club. You know, only then will we know what we're gonna, you know, what we're gonna face as far as the transfer budget's concerned. But I'm positive. I'm positive, Andrew. I'm not. Um, I'm not down. I'm not negative. I'm. Uh, I'm just delighted that we've managed to string, you know, this set of results together. And you know, there's been some. There's been some great away day wins as well. You know, you look at. You know, you look at Stoke. You look at West Ham. You know, there's. Uh, you know, especially those two. And 
my record against teams in you know in the bottom half of the table below us has been has been fantastic, you know. So uh you know, it's been good, mate. It's been good, and you know, we've, you know, I'm sure we'll finish the season with a, a a little flourish as well. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see us finish in the top ten. You know, when the season comes to an end. Yeah, I, I hope so. I must. Say, I think to me, as a fan, I've, I've stopped going. I won't go back until that tour rags out of the club. But when um, I think when it comes to the, the nucleus of Newcastle, I think you know because everybody is waiting for when we kind of are secure um, with the points needed. Like Rafa said 40. Like I think he's been a bit I think he's been a bit careful there, but I think thirty eight it would be simply incredible that if we go to we go to Leicester and we get a result and look to batter because look to batter Arsenal because Arsenal to me are always there for the taking. They've got a great forward line but um when it comes to the the way that they the way that they are and they could finish out the the top six, top four again, which is probably going to happen anyway, but uh, would be sensational. But because I think everybody is waiting, the buyers in the background, whoever they may be. Uh, the, the only thing that interests me about the takeover, these two other people that allegedly are, are you know, sniffing around Newcastle, it would be nice to know who they are. We we know that that one of them is Amanda, but the other, there's supposed to be another two, but nobody's had a sniff about the other two, but. Uh, when it comes to the the takeover, we have to just hope, fingers crossed, because it's going to absolutely galvanise the academy. It's going to the stadium because I remember Steve Pearce's always said it, it, it looks a bit untidy uh, when you look in the ground and um, the whole nucleus of, of the the stadium. You know, the the stadium could change. We might get a new stadium. There's so many things that could happen with Newcastle. It is like a I'll get to my next subject, like a, a movie. A, a massive mega movie um, Hollywood production if Newcastle do get taken over and hence yeah. that brings to my next thing about uh, obviously after meeting Craig Conway with yourself a couple of weeks ago uh, the film festival um, which obviously when I was speaking to Craig it, it's Newcastle, Newcastle, the city of Newcastle could be in line for some of the great things happening with a lot of movies coming there how, how was the film festival for you because I've actually been watching the Gary Shandlin uh, documentary and the Jim Carrey, and it just goes to show what it's like, uh, the life of an actor, and what you guys aim for, and what you know what you actually want. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very interesting. I must say that I'm a bit of, I'm a, bit of an aficionado when it comes to movies and such, but it's it was it was. I mean, like the Newcastle. It was the first, <clears throat> the first year of the Newcastle International Film Festival, and. Um, Obviously, Craig Conway is a good friend of mine, a good actor. He, um, you know, he you know, got together with uh, Jackie Jackie Miller Charlton, who is a very successful local businesswoman, and they they essentially just came up with this this idea 14 months ago and uh, about bringing a film festival to Newcastle. And I just, you know, I, 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 when I when I saw that Jackie was behind it, I thought there's no doubt that this is going to happen. And uh, sure enough, it did. So it started on Thursday. Uh, finished last night at the the, the big dinner at uh, and the award ceremony at the Civic Centre, and um, it was just fantastic. I, I played a very small role in it. Obviously, I helped them promote it on the social media um, in the build up to it. But um, I was invited to do two very special Q and A's. Uh, one was with um, Mike Hodges, the director of Get Carter, which was after the screening of Get Carter at the Tyneside Cinema. It was the uh, screening of the final. It's a final copy of it, uh, uh, the original 35 millimeter version. So it's um, 
it was a great opportunity to sit and watch the you know the film as it was meant to be watched. I've only ever because because I'm obviously too young to remember seeing it at the cinema, going going to see it at the cinema, and to be able to sit with 200 like-minded people and and actually sit and watch it, it was it was fantastic. You know, um, we saw you know you, I saw a different side of the film. I've always seen it as a, a dark, gritty, um, depressing film almost, but it was actually quite humorous. You know and you know, I think it was because you anticipate some of the lines and that, like, you know, mm. I'm a big, you're a big man and you're out of shape. It's quite, well, you know, probably the famous line out of that before he throws, um, you know, the the guy off the top of the gate said car park. But, you know, there's, there's little there's little bits in it which, you know, collectively as an audience were all laughed at, which you probably wouldn't have laughed at watching it at home. So it, it, just, it was great. And then, you know, I, I got up and interviewed Mike Hodges, which was a you know, dream for me because I'm a huge fan of the film. Got a chance to meet him, did half an hour with him on stage and... Uh, at the end of it, he came off and said, "You know, you know, thanks for not, thanks for not overshadowing me on 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 the questions." So, uh, you know, I was very careful not to not to talk too much, and you know, people had paid to see him, not me, and it was just an honour to do it. And then yesterday, I was um, at the biscuit rooms at the biscuit factory to do a, a Q and A with uh, Craig, uh, who'd been in a he, he recorded a short film called Romans, and and that was filmed ten years ago. Uh, it was written, the screenplay was written by. Um, a former doorman called Jeff Thompson, and was directed by the one of the well directed by the Shamassian brothers. But Paul Shamassian, the director, was there yesterday, and um, I I watched it Wednesday. Um, I was sent sent a link to watch it on my computer on Wednesday, and it, it's a uh, about child abuse, which um, you know is is something which is you know obviously horrendous and something which we you know we're hearing a lot about, especially in you know with the football connotations with Barry Pennell. Um, but this is about a clergyman who took advantage of, took advantage of you know a young boy, and this had actually happened to Jeff Thompson, the writer. You know, he he um, he, he wrote it, and this this is like a personal experience that he'd gone through, and uh, this this was a bit of therapy, I suppose, really for him. But anyway, you know, moving forward, he, you know, the, the talking went really well. The the audience loved. The uh, loved the film. It was only like 27 minutes long, but it's gone on to be made into a feature now, and Orlando Bloom plays the lead character in it. So it's um, you know it's done very well with it. But yeah, that was great. And then the award ceremony last night. Well, you know, you know it's where people let their hair down. It was it was a great night. But it was a good night for networking for me and for everybody there. You know we, you know they had they had everybody in that room who you know had, some people had come from America, China, India. You know there was there was people from all over the world. Obviously being an international film festival, it was was well received and you had a smattering of, of well-known Geordie faces there David, David Johns obviously from I Daniel Blake good friend of mine about 20 odd years he was there as the MC Denise Welsh was there uh, Jill Halfpenny obviously Denise and Jill both got awards um, then you know you had you know a lot of people who helped you know help the, the festival happen who were there just to enjoy themselves but I've you know, I, I sat with a, a few producers and and you know people who, you know, movers and shakers, financiers who put money into films, and it was just a great opportunity to actually meet all of these people and do some uh, do some networking, you know. Yeah, because I think uh, when it comes to Newcastle, we've never. I think I, the Fast and the Furious probably was the the last one that they they did a bit of filming in Newcastle. Yeah, they did. It's they did no shocking, really. Yeah. That there's, it's shocking that there's for a a place that's got so much history and you know from the past even for the big studios not to come here especially well, where the it gets used it gets used a lot i mean there's probably never a year goes by that anna castle or bamber castle is yeah. used for some medieval or 
you know, but you know, medieval film or you know, Harry Potter type film. But you have um, we have a lot of people who visit here to make a scene here, a scene or two here. Um, we have good dramas made in the area. We've got Vera made in the area. We've got uh, the dumping ground on CBBC. Um, you know, we've had um, you know many many shows made up here over the years. However, films are traditionally not made by northeast film companies, northeast actors in the northeast. It doesn't happen. There isn't the studio. There isn't the you know. There's never been the backing for it. So that's what Craig is hoping to turn around. Craig has his own company, 54 Films. He has the backing of the you know the you know, some great finances up here, and you know there's there's going to be a film that starts shooting this year. I think um, I think they're hoping to start shooting something at the end of May. Now what? the Newcastle International Film Festival did was it brought a lot of directors, a lot of movie makers, a lot of producers, a lot of financiers. It brought you know, 300 like-minded people all sitting in the room last night, but who had all been here from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or some had been for a couple of nights, or some had been for all of them. But these people saw Newcastle and for the first time, and they were they were overwhelmed, overawed. They just thought, wow, what a, what a place. You know, they saw it, they, you know, a lot of people maybe think that doing it over the East Hour again wasn't the brightest of ideas because it probably it didn't help ticket sales for certain events. However, for showcasing the area and to see it as a party city, which is what it is, you couldn't have picked a better weekend because the bars were full Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So you know it 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 was a you know it was a swings and roundabouts effect, but I thought it went really well. And you know you're always going to have teething problems with your first one, but the events that I went to were all very good. I went, I mean, I went to the the mining institute to see Sean Pertwee, you know, John Pertwee's son, do a talk with Craig. That was brilliant, you know, and it was full. There was 80 people in, and it was just a, a really really good chance to. To, to quiz actors, you know, and speak to actors about about you know about what you know how they prepare and various things, you know, in their careers. So it was great. Met some really like-minded people, a lot of ideas, a lot of card swaps, uh, business card swaps, and um, I, you know, I think it's just a case of watch this space. I think there's big things ahead for the film industry in the, in the northeast. Well, you got you got Netflix, you got Amazon, Hulu. You've got so many different dis- distributors of movies yeah. now that. People want to watch things on different mediums, and um, you know, I think beforehand the, the big multi-million. Uh, exactly, yeah, exactly, so, exactly. So you've got you've got to be able to, you know, I think it's, yeah. it, op- it opens up so many venues now for so many directors, yeah. and like I think you're coming out with a, um, some kind of uh, is a, a movie or with um, yeah. Mr. F- Foreman that's coming out, isn't it? Quite quite soon. Or you've got, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Barry, I've, I've, yeah, I've been busy. I've got, um, you know, I've, been, I've got a crazy film that's coming out in September called uh, Crazy Dead Man Walking. Uh, Rise of the Foot Soldier 3 has just won the, the best yeah, best independent yeah. film at the National Film Awards. So, you know, for me, it's, it's you know, it's ongoing. It's, it's still, you know, I'm still, you know, still climbing up the ladder, but it's, um, it's you know, it's an exciting time for me, you know, and obviously my Fred documentary debuts at the um, uh, the East End Film Festival in two weeks' time, so, you know, that, that again is another big night, another big occasion, so, uh, yeah, things are going really well, Andrew, and um, mm-hmm. I still need time to listen to Toon Talk, though, and uh, <laughs> listen listen to what the fans have got to say, but um, I'm afraid I'm going to have to shoot off now, Andrew, but listen, it's, it's been great to speak to you, mate, and, uh, you know, good luck with the show, and hope, uh, hope things go well, mate. I've got my final question, I've got, I know you've got to go, but my final question, I actually thought was quite disappointing, the um the box at the weekend. What would you give it a, out of ten? I watched it. I watched it. I watched it again, Andrew. And I've got to be honest. Um, fair play to AJ. He, he stuck yeah. to his game plan. 
Um, he got the points that he required, and he got the belt. The referee spoiled it for me. Um, and take your hat off to Parker. He's gone 12 rounds with AG, the first man to do that. So it wasn't the best. You don't always get knockouts in fights. And, um, you know, from my perspective, you know, it's a step closer to unification. So uh, I'm looking forward to Deontay Wilder versus AJ. But um, I still say that Fury will be the man who beats, uh, beats AJ and takes the belt back off him. So he won't have them for long. <laughs> good stuff, good. Thanks so much, Steve Cohen. I appreciate it, Emma. Thanks a lot. Take care, yeah. mate. Speak to you soon. Bye bye. Bye now. Well, interesting ch- chat as ever with Steve Riz. He's been uh, very, very busy, obviously, with things going on with the acting. Um, I suggest, as a, you know, somebody that likes to watch it myself, um, the interesting thing I found was watching Gary Shandlin, uh show, uh, the documentary, because he died a couple of years ago. Uh, I've just seen that, and there's also another one, I've just, oh yes, um, Jim Carrey, uh, Jim and Andy, which is on Andy, uh, the death of Andy Kaufman, about the man in the moon, I have to tell you, if you should try and watch both of them, they're unbelievable, and you'll actually say Jim Carrey being possessed by Andy Kaufman, um, you know, from the grave, if you know what I mean, so watch that one, it's very, very good, and I'm going to bring in my next guest this evening, it's Chris Parry calling from the United States. Chris, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you guys doing this evening? Not too bad. I've got, uh, let's look here, I've got uh, Lee Johnson on the line as well. So I'll, I'll go, good evening, Lee. How are you? Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> well, I think, Lee, you... I think Lee sums up all of our feelings. <laughs> I think it's been a very, I think I'll start with Chris first and then get to, to, to Lee in a minute. But that Newcastle United winning on, on Saturday, I must admit I watched it. You know, they, they, they had so many chances to win it, and it's just a relief to win it, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, they did. They did well, and um, and and the cool thing is, is they kept creating chances, and I think there was it was no doubt that it was um, it was their strategy to try to get the crowd on Newcastle's back to try to frustrate them, to try to make it zero zero in the 60th, 70th minute. The crowd would get uneasy, but. This is a different. This is a different team, and this is a different set of fans. I, think. I, I just think that this this set of fans is so with the team, so with the guys that they were not going to get on the guys' back. How can you get on Newcastle's back whenever they were basically bossing the game? They just hadn't. They just hadn't been able to find the ball in the back of the net. And uh, yeah, to you know, Gale when Gale could have had a hat trick at halftime by halftime, but you know they bring on Silamani. We've been waiting for him forever. And uh, he made an impact. I mean, he almost heads the ball in, and there. And Kennedy's just been sublime. You know, to be able to sit there and pause instead of trying to, you know, shoot it yourself and just play it right back to Jose for a nice tap in. It's it, it's been fun to watch Newcastle. It really has, guys. In 2018, it's been fantastic. What do you think, Lee? Um, just picking up like what um, Chris said there. Everyone in the dog. And I mean, everyone in a dog wanted us to turn on Rafa Benitez when um, when things weren't going too well. Everyone was wanting us to manage. We're going to get it. The manager, they're going to do this. But everyone has 100% faith in Benitez. What Benitez is doing here is absolutely phenomenal. I, I mean, I've seen better teams than this, but I haven't seen better spirit. I've not even seen better spirit. These lads would run through brick walls for him. Everyone under his tutelage is improving. Every single one of them is improving their game little by little. Everything he does is relevant when he talks to them, when he's on the touchline. Like I said, when the game when the game finished on Saturday, players are trying to um, players are trying to celebrate with the fans. 
But there's Rafa Benitez pulling Christian Atsu and telling him that he's done something wrong or pointing at something, trying to give him advice, saying you should have maybe done this a little bit, of bet, little bit better. He's never off clock. And here's the difference between why we'll stay in the Premier League and why the teams won't. Because teams, all the teams down there and in around us probably have better squads than us. But they haven't got a better manager. And that's a fact. He is world class. And um, we are very, very, very fortunate to have him. The blueprint for what you're seeing and what you're seeing, how the team plays and how the team set up was built in the championship. There's one up front, one in behind. And if you, if you add a £30 million centre-forward that this particular team, this particular setup, for example, like Slomani, Newcastle, currently, if Slomani had been playing for Newcastle for the last 10 or 15 games, we would be comfortably above the likes of Burnley. That's a fact. That's a fact. But you've got to bear in mind our top goal scorer has five goals, and we've had to, we've had to play to our strength in terms of defensive shape, unit, and things like that. So what we've done is absolutely phenomenal. I think, Chris, I think it's been, let's be honest, I think, when we when we saw when we when he knew when we knew he wasn't going to get backed to see the way that we're, we're get we're getting wins here and there obviously we're getting defeats as well but uh, the fact that um, he's been denied players and he's had to he's had to beg essentially beg Mike Ashley in January to bring in the the three players who have who've changed who've actually turned our Newcastle season it is quite an indictment of Mike Ashley and the fact that he should be back in the manager Chris. Yeah, it's, um, it, yeah, it, it's 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 really great considering where this club was in January because the club was still getting results. They just didn't get any of the reinforcement that you thought. But you know what, Kennedy was a terrific loan signing, and and the guy's already talking about he wants to become a Newcastle player full time, which I think is fantastic. It'd be great for Silamani if he can kick on and really show what he can do here in these next. Um, you know these next uh, you know couple weeks, uh, but guys, I'm telling you, it's it's three wins in a row. Three wins in a row at St. James's Park. That hasn't happened like since 2004. I mean that like, 2014. 2014. That's a lot of matches that we watched in the Premiership. That I mean, it, it was just it was great to see. It's, and guys, one of the coolest things I saw, someone took a, a, a gif or a video or something of Matt Ritchie, who had been subbed off. Okay, so he's obviously disappointed. He's, he's on the bench, and when that goal was scored, he was like the first person off the bench running onto the field and want to go celebrate with, you know, with Yosi Perez. And that just that sums it up, man. It is a team sport. Like, I know, that, I know that Kieran Clark, I guess there's some story that's come out that he's probably not happy about his playing time, but you can't deny when, it, when the team keeps putting up clean sheets, you do not rock that boat. You just don't do it. And, and Kieran Clark, unfortunately, was on the team when they were flipping gold. So, but for Matt Ritchie to not sit there and sulk, to be so excited and happy once the you know once Ayozi uh, scored, because I really thought Ayozi should have been taken off. Yeah. When Matt Ritchie was pulled, I was like, why aren't you pulling Ayozi Perez? Put still a body. What did you what did you say? Because I must admit I was absolutely I wasn't say I was swearing because I was at work, but you know, the, he, I just thought he was absolutely useless all game and uh when he scored the goal it was just isn't it interesting you see the one player in Kennedy Lee gets the ball, plays it intelligently, plays it well, plays it first time and 
Perez is running in there. And it's amazing that you find out afterwards that Rafa Benitez had told him to get more up front, be where the action is, and he delivers. Well, I have to say, when Atsu was um, stripped, I thought, I looked over, I, 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 I assumed Kennedy was gone off. I thought Kennedy was definitely gone off because he looked like he was flagging to me. He hadn't had his best game. And then mm. he hooked Matt Ritchie and Matt Ritchie went running across. Um, and then obviously the substitution of Slomani. I, had a, I thought he'd probably take, I thought he was going to take Perez off and put Gale in behind Slomani, mm. but he didn't. And then... And then, you know, the goal, I mean, the goal, if it's me, you or Chris, for example, I don't know how good of a footballer you might be, Chris, but when that ball dropped to Kennedy, right, Kenny, we, we all would have shot that ball. Yeah. yeah. Well, he just weirdly pulled it no, out no, of the no. air. All of, us played, all of us played soccer. I was a forward. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't have kicked. I wouldn't have passed that. Absolutely. And I just Anybody. thought... And then I just thought that was just, finish, I, I just thought that was just a touch of class to bring it down, literally to raise his head in the last ten minutes of a pressure game and just knock it inside for Perez to tap it into the goal. It's just that kind of extra quality that we've, we we needed, you know that that that's that's we, something Newcastle something so flat out missed it. Lee, oh, right. Lee, Newcastle has flat out missed that yeah. that class that you have to have at this level. They've been a very battling side. They're a side that can battle for points and battle for you know for a result. But at this level, if you want to be punching with the big boys and I see, you know getting a chance to go play in Europe, you got to have some class. You got to have those class players that can make things you know out of just small touches and maybe not the perfect pass. And Kennedy is Kennedy is all Kennedy's it. Well, I watched I watched them. Um, I watched um, Slomani intently for, 90, uh, for that 20-minute period when he come on, right? And some of his movement, some of his movement and um, interaction with the team, playing passes, they, I could see they didn't know what to do with him. I didn't realise he was as quick as he was because he was literally patting he's strong as an ox. And I tell you what, if we get him up to speed, uh, I know he can't play next week, so he's going to have two good, hopefully two good weeks of training. I wouldn't want to be the likes of Arsenal coming to St. James as if he's available to play for us uh, because... You know, we have, honestly, I do not fear playing anyone in this league. I don't, especially St. James's, especially the likes of Arsenal, who they've got a bit of a soft centre at this particular moment in time. So, we, we, we are, no one will want to play us in these last six or seven games if they need points. Yeah, and, and the difference between Newcastle guys and other teams is that when other teams secure safety, they'll, pro- they'll probably start thinking about their holiday. But I just don't see Newcastle doing that. I, I See them. I, I see you know Rafa full steam ahead after they secure promotion and just keep on keeping on. You know, all the way to try to you know, to try to to try to set something up for. And I, let's hope Amanda Stavely or someone comes in because clearly Mike Mike Ashley does not want to own this club and he wants to get out, but he's not about to take a loss on it. So if if it takes. I think personally now that what he asks for the for the club, I think that's a good price now. This club is this club is about to be secured promotion. They're one of the one of the most popular clubs in the world. I mean, if you want Newcastle, come and get them. That's basically, yep. I think, what needs to happen. Yeah, I was going to ask I'll ask Chris this first, but uh, then lastly, but um, the, obviously afterwards we heard that the Chuckle Brothers, um, Keith Bishop from Mike Ashley's side, and Lee Charmy went to speak to um, Rafa Benitez after the game. Um, you know, he's, 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 holding all the, he's holding all the cards at the moment. I know Steve Wraith mentioned that for sure that he, he believes that Rafa Benitez will be here next season no matter what. 
Uh, I'm not sure about that myself, but what do you think, uh, Chris, and then ask Lee in a second, but um, I can't imagine that the Chocolate Brothers go downstairs and say, well, would, are you interested in signing a five-year deal? Because why would he when, he, when, when, the, when, the, when the, the club is still up for sale, and unless he told them that there's a sale coming to, is going to happen in the next two weeks? Well, the problem is, guys, is all you have to do is read uh, Martin Hardy's book, you know, a Tunnel of Love, and you've seen how Mike Ashley has just not followed through with what he said he was going to do, or he's decided to do things his own way, and it, it didn't work out, and yet he's still there. I mean, you know, he, Hardy, did, he did admit, he did admit Hardy, that he's made mistakes. Yeah, exactly, but Martin Hardy has also been criticizing uh, Ralph Benitez the last, the last couple of articles that I've seen, so uh, there's something going on with that. There's something going on with Mr. Hardy, and um, because the, the thing is, obviously he's sitting there, uh, maybe he's out the loop when it comes to what's going on with Newcastle United lately. But uh, to me, certainly his articles aren't the same as George Coke, and who seems to have his more of his thing on the post and understands what's going on with Newcastle. And if you look at uh, Luke uh, from the the Daily Telegraph, um, he's also mentioned that uh, there's a couple of more. Um, people involved uh, looking to buy the club, but again with no names. So, you know, it's, it's definitely, even though I, I looked at, um, uh, I looked at, uh, there was a, that Luke had a chat with, uh, Mike, had a chat with um, Benitez uh, while they were in Spain. So, you know, they're all swinging and missing when it comes to the, the club, you know, who the could get taken over by. But the same question to you, uh, uh, Lee, um, with regards to all this, uh, when the, the you know the Chuckle brothers go down to, to see uh, Rafa, what do you think that's about? Uh, I mean, Andrew. Regardless of that little chat, uh, I think it's um, one of the most important periods in the club's modern day history. Really, we're at a massive crossroads. Um, I mean, the, the the work that Benitez has done in two short years is just phenomenal. I mean, basically, Rafa Benitez has not just only picked up Newcastle United from the from the ashes. He's technically relegated Sunderland to League One as well. Um, everything, everything that he's touched since he's came here, and I'm not the, the whole infrastructure of the club was a mess. Everything was losing. Every single side was losing the tens, the fifteens, the twenties, whatever. They were losing. Everything was a mess. The club was a million. The, the fan base and the, um, the club itself was a million miles apart. He's just all he's done is laid bricks, community little little work in the community and things like that. So Rafa Benitez. It's basically key to everything. He is key to everything. I only, I only believe that there's um, interest in Newcastle United from foreign bodies who maybe want to buy the club because of Rafa Benitez, because of the potential, the potential Rafa Benitez sees in Newcastle United. It's so marketable. This club can be anything it wants to be. There's no doubt about it. I hear, I hear people talk about like obviously Lascelles getting linked with Chelsea, etc. Et so what was Chelsea before money? Chelsea was absolutely tin pot. They were going into administration. What were Man City? What were Man City before money? Nothing. So of course you need a little bit of investment to push it on. But you know, Mike Ashley, Mike Ashley's missing a trick for me. He could make, he could have made a fortune out of Newcastle United, but he's chosen not to. I, I, I think he's made a lot of money out of Newcastle United, but he could have made more. He's a sports retailer at the end of the day, Andrew. And if he if he bought into Rafa Benitez and that's the apologies were made and, and hatchets were buried, his sports stores could have made a killing. 
Because everyone would walk around with, in an item of Newcastle United clothing everywhere. That, that's what they were doing under Kevin Keegan. You couldn't walk anywhere in the North East without seeing a Newcastle top or some other Newcastle badge on. So that's what I find frightening about Mike Ashton. But if we stay up and, and, and he messes around, how long is Rafa going to take that for? At the end of the day, Rafa Benitez can manage it, manage at a higher level than Newcastle United. Newcastle United lead Rafa Benitez more than Rafa Benitez leads Newcastle United. But I believe that Rafa Benitez looks at Newcastle and thinks, I can do it here. I can get this, I can get this club on a pedestal. And, and I think he believes it. And, and that's why we're following. So this is the most crucial period coming up in the club's modern day history. We either sink or we swim. What do you think, Chris? Well, I mean, you know, Lee, Lee said it best. I mean, we, I, I was worried that he was going to leave, you know, after January because there was no investment. There just wasn't that much investment. But he shows his true class. He's not going to leave. I just think it's hilarious that almost every single team besides Newcastle that's in the second half of the table has changed managers. <laughs> so, you know, except, for, except for Newcastle United. It shows that sometimes you know, there, were, there were some rough patches. Yeah, in the you know, in the fall and in the, during the Christmas period, but they you know the fans have stayed the course, the man the manager stayed the course, and even though the owner's not exactly back in the manager, he's you know he's got it. He gave them enough, I guess, to get them promoted with a good coach. And you know what's funny? Remember, Lee um, and Andrew, we talked about this, and I said this too. Was like, you know what? As much as I want Benitez to get all these players. If you're a world-class manager, now's your time to show it. I want you to show that you can win with anybody. And he has shown it. <laughs> you know what I mean? He has absolutely shown why he's considered one of the best managers in the world. And I, I, if, if he doesn't get back, if he doesn't get back, like, immediately after the World Cup, he's gone. He, he'll, be, he'll, be, he'll be in Spain. He'll be, he'll, I mean, he'll retire. He doesn't, he doesn't need this. I mean, I think he enjoys it. I think he would absolutely love to have his name next to, um, you know, Sir Bobby Robson. But uh, the, the the problem is, is if he doesn't get back, I think he's out. And but it's been a wonderful it's been a wonderful ride uh, under his under his tutelage. I'll tell you that. Just for fan, you know, Chris, for me, it's been great. Chris, what's what's uh, what's um, what's Arsenal's biggest Achilles heel at this particular moment in time? They've got no spine. They've got no backbone. You know, if for example Wenger left in the summer. If you're on the Arsenal board and things like that, surely the likes of Rafa Benitez would be the kind of near the top of your list. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think he'd be an Arsenal. I think he'd be Arsenal manager, no question. Um, but if but if Newcastle gets sold and a new owner comes in and investment is made, I think Newcastle would set some terrific things. I really, really do. I think I think the um, I think the door is closing on Tottenham. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just think that Tottenham right now be striking while the iron's hot, and yet they can't get over Man City. So they're good, but they're not great. And pretty soon, the, you know that their their little their little window of opportunity is going to is potentially going to leave them. You know, Manchester United is always going to be there. You know, Chelsea they're just going to fire a manager and hire somebody right back at it again. Yeah, and Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Liverpool yeah, looks like they, Liverpool looks like they're fantastic. Now they're finally flying. Under Klopp, I mean, this is the. I mean, Newcastle's got a chance to be up there with those guys because Everton has clearly fallen off. I mean, I don't think Everton's going to be as good as they have been. So I think that's where Newcastle can find itself. But it's all about getting investment. It's all, it's all about pushing forward. Yeah, I don't, I don't think uh, Leo. You can't imagine, even though he's got one one year left on his contract, 
you can't imagine, you know, it, you can't, I, for some, you know, I, I just think it's, um, it's being done for theatre, uh, the, the fact that Newcastle, Newcastle is looking to try and tie uh, Rafa down because, you know, you had two reports of Real Sociedad and another team as well interested in Rafa because why, why would you stay, if, if, he, if he gets treated the same way which you, you possibly could have, there's no sale, why would, he, why would he stay and think, well, yes, it's a great project, Newcastle's a, a fantastic club, but if you know you're going to struggle like we have done all season um, for a guy who's normally you know, reaching for the stars, other big, bigger clubs in Europe, um, you can't imagine, you know, short, short of um, my cash, and, okay, there's £150 million, £100 million in the Newcastle United account, it's yours to do however you you, you deem fit. Um, you can't imagine doing that. And you, you know, you can't imagine giving them thirty million of this in the same in the same sentence when it comes to making making uh, uh, silence. Like. Well, he apparently remember they did say if he decided to break his contract, he had to pay in your cost. Well, it was a five million or something like that. Was that yeah. one of the clauses? So he's got what? He's got a year left, hasn't he? He's got a year yeah. left. Yeah. So, yeah. At the end of the day, he sees it out. I suppose um, who wouldn't? I'd tell you, well, Rafa Benitez would be a great um, investment for any team. They could come in, a very good side could come in and pay five million to, to hire Rafa Benitez. <laughs> As I said, Andrew, um, I think after we beat Southampton, when everyone else was breaking their transfer window, transfer window in and around or something, like I said, Southampton had a £17 million centre forward on the field that day. And I pointed out that Rafa Benitez is our £100 million plus footballer, in my view. Yeah, you know, everything he does is relevant. He's the one who makes everything tick. Um, so Rafa Benitez, for any top top quality side, would be a great investment for five million. So it's not going to last forever. He has ambitions. He's already he said quite clearly he believes this 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 um, this club can compete. And I think what he means by that he means by moving it on into the into the top eight of the league. And I don't think that's and that's not being deluded. That's that's not a, a, about the realms of possibility. You look at Arsenal at this moment in time; they're absolutely flagging. They do need massive change. Um, look at Everton. Everton spunked two hundred million pounds on that team. We're five points behind them, man. This, we, we, we as a club, if we can, if we can get the right investor who'll back Benitez. I mean, he's like the Pied Piper here. Anyway, the fans will follow him off. The fans will follow him off a cliff. And you know, if we can get things right, if we can just get things right, there's no, there's no unreasonable reason why Newcastle can't become competitive within the top eight of the league, and then maybe start challenging for cups. You know the League Cup, the FA Cup, and things like that. There's, it's not, and it's it's not above the realms of possibility. Newcastle, like I said, Andrew, if Newcastle, let's say, take Slomani for example. If Slomani had been with Newcastle all season, just for that little twenty minute spell that I seen on Saturday, right? Yeah. I guarantee you that we would have been above and beyond the likes of Burnley already this season. But everything else is fine. We're well disciplined and things like that. So all it all it needed is. A little bit of investment, mm. even as the Bournemouth standard man, and we shouldn't be seeing that. We're Newcastle United. Jesus Christ, you can't tell us we haven't got thirty million to spend on a centre forward when Leicester spends thirty million on a centre forward. When Bournemouth spends twenty-four million on a defender like Aki and things like that. Mm. That, that, you know, Mike Ashley has pulled the wool over our eyes and the manager's eyes for far too long, man. It's embarrassing. Mm. So I hope he does just pack up and leave. But I don't understand why he doesn't try and get on on, on board with the Benitez train because again. He could make a fortune off it, and he loves money. 
clearly. Yeah, it's strange. I think. And he and you know and Lee and and he would end being every, everyone would love him. I mean, instead Absolutely. of instead of everyone instead of him being an absolute pariah, you know, Absolutely. if if he backed if he all of a sudden said, you know what, let's let's say the heck with it, let's back this guy and let's see how far this ride can go, and I could really and make not, a lot of money, and, and I actually, I actually may, I may end up being one of the greatest owners of Newcastle United instead of one Chris, of the worst owners of Newcastle Chris, United. And, and Chris, that's exactly what we thought he was doing when Benitez gave his mission statement when he stayed on in the championship. Remember, Benitez mm-hmm. talked about. The, Benitez talked about the club not being a stepping stone, and it was backed by Mike Ashley and all that. And then suddenly, the January transfer window came into the champ in the championship, and we didn't get the Townsend deal done. And that's when the cracks appeared again. He changed the goalposts. He moved the goalposts again. I think it's interesting. Obviously, I'll bring in my next caller, Andrew Murdy. Uh, it's interesting conversation going on with with Chris and Lee. Uh, what, what what do you think's going on? Because obviously a great victory on uh, on Saturday. Personally, I expected it, um, but obviously Newcastle made us worry till the 80th minute. But uh, it's 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 going to be an ongoing issue, isn't it, Andrew? With the fact that you know the, <coughs> we've won three games on the bounce at home, uh, but other clubs are sniffed around Rafa. Um, hi guys, you alright? Hi lads. Good. Hi. 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 Um, I I think. Uh, I think Rafa will be here next season. Um, who realistically is going to be after a manager in the summer? I mean, there's no, there's no guarantees Arsene Wenger's going to leave. And even if he did leave, I don't think Rafa Benitez is an Arsenal manager because of the way he sets his teams out, because of the way he plays. It's completely opposite of everything Arsenal do or want to do or try to do. Um, so I, the only thing which will drive Rafa away is if, you know, if there's, if the takeover doesn't happen, which I I still think it will, I, I've always said it's uh, survival dependent, and now we're pretty much 95% safe now. Um, you know, I think, that especially at the, at the end of the season, that the takeover talk will start to hot up again. And um, if that falls through, if Mike Ashley says, look, I'm staying, then I can understand if Rafael left. But I can't see anybody, I can't see him going to another club at the moment. I I, I don't see any uh, any any... Uh, teams which jump out at us. I mean, Chelsea's going to be after another manager, but he won't go there because he's hated by mm-hmm. Chelsea fans. Um, Everton are probably after a new manager, but he won't go to Everton because of his Liverpool connections. So I'm quite, uh, I'm quite confident and uh, and safe in the knowledge that Rafa will be here next year. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I must admit because you know, they get, obviously, we've we've already talked about the fact that the Chucker brothers, Lee Charmy and. Um, Keith Bishop went down to see um, Rafa it, after the final whistle. What do you make of that? Because that, to me, can be taken two ways. What, did they talk to, talk to him after the Huddersfield yeah, match? I wasn't aware of they, that. Yeah, they talked to him after the match. And um, the only thing I could think of which makes me think, well, OK, they, they both went down to see him there. They're going to say, Rafa, we really like what you're doing, blah, blah. We'd like, we like you to stay. Or there's been we're in talks with a takeover and it's and it's it's going well. Well, the only way that he would ever that Rafa would ever believe any of that anyway, that second question, is if Mike actually got him on the phone and told him. So uh, uh-huh. you, you can I I yeah. wouldn't believe a single word that comes out of Mike Ashley's mouth, <laughs> Andrew, to be fair. No. So, so I think the fact that that happened, you know, it, again, it, 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 it leads to so many questions, Andrew, but 
you know, the fact that it, it happened, it, it makes you think, well, there could be things happening once we we get these three points, but obviously Rafa wants five. It's, it's mm-hmm. just definitely, it leaves everything open, but the fact that we've won and the players have got an extra two days off, which is probably, I don't think they expected, but they've got two de- extra days off for Leicester, we could be safe by next Saturday. Yeah, um, we well, could be. Um, Leicester will be a very tough game. Uh, I'm not really expecting a great deal at Leicester. Um, I would be, I, I would snap your hands off for a point now, but um, I think Arsenal's very winnable. Um, Arsenal are very fragile at the moment. Um, they're a, they're a bit of a basket case at, at, at the moment, you know, with the fans turning their backs and they seem to be putting all their eggs in the Europa League basket, don't they? Which I think will suit us down the ground. I think it's interesting, wasn't it, uh, Lee? And I'll get this question to Chris in a second, but it's interesting that John Cross, um, who is very in with their Arsenal, said the one team um, with a good manager in charge that never leaves that never leaves never leaves early uh, from the ground uh, compared to the Arsenal currently and the, the fans that turn up, it's Newcastle United. It just goes to show that you've got the right person in charge. You've got you, you believe in the vision. You you like the way he sets up the team, the the concentration levels and everything of that nature, it just shows you the one person that doesn't seem to get it is the owner. Hi, well, that's been the problem since he's walked through the door. Um, you've got to bear in mind this man, this man brought Kevin Keegan back and he didn't realise the power of Kevin Keegan. <laughs> he, he clearly didn't when Kevin Keegan picked up that shit trap that Sam Allardyce had created and turned them into a team of, well, a, t- well, a very decent team and we'll finish the season strong. Um, but then obviously the the, the, the hole and horse and the lie started to come out and Kevin just had enough and said I'll see you later so and that and you know we've been we've yo-yoed up and down the leagues we've yo-yoed up and down the league since then we've had chance of managers apart from Chris Hewton who saved his bacon but then Chris Hewton started to question Mike Ashley's power and out he went you know what I mean so he doesn't like people who challenge him Rafa Benitez holds all the cards he and he's the most powerful person at Newcastle United, although yes, he doesn't have to, he can't sign off on things, but if Rafa Benitez leaves because of Mike Ashley, or Rafa Benitez will leave Newcastle United and tell us all why he's leaving, that just would create anarchy, anarchy on the streets, because we all know why, and I don't think Mike Ashley has anywhere to run this time. Um, the, only, the only thing he needs to do, really, Andrew, is sign on the dotted line to somebody and sort off, because we've all had yeah. enough of them, to be fair. If he doesn't want to take it forward... Surely there's people out there that want to, and I can imagine just as like some of the lads have touched on there, like once it's confirmed we're playing Premier League football next season, we look one of the most marketable clubs in the league, if not the most marketable club in the league, to be bought and to be took over and to be took somewhere. So if anyone wants a pop and wants to make the United successful, it's everything's kind of here. It's ready. We have the manager. We have the stadium. We have the fan base. All we just need is a little bit of fortune and get the right person who might invest in the infrastructure, which will set the club up for the next 10, 15 years. Yeah, talk, talk about sudden off. I'll get to Chris first, then Andrew, then, then Lee. Um, the, two, the two things that sudden off is Alan Pardew from West Bromwich Albion and also, <laughs> and also Sunderland. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, uh, Chris, before I get to the two? God, I mean, yeah, Pardew, geez, Louise. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a shame. I I, I mean, 
I, I liked him at times because I thought he was so emotional. I used to love how he would dive in. I, I still remember when he dove into the crowd when I think it was uh, – I think Cissé scored against Stoke. You know, for but it just seemed like everything was always the extremes. You know, there was never ever a time when you could just kind of relax as a Newcastle fan when Pardew was was manager, and he always was blaming everything but himself. And I think we all just got fed up with it. But uh, and of course Sunderland, yeah, I don't know, man, guys. I, I personally would like to see Sunderland stay in the, the, you know, in the second division just just <laughs> so they could. Uh, I want to. I, I think I want to see Newcastle beat Sunderland. I want them to come back up to the Premiership and get no. and get. And get freaking no, no, hammered. No. I mean, no. here's the deal, man. They right now they can hold it. They can hold it. They can hold it over Newcastle's head that they beat Newcastle like four out of the last five times. And I would like nothing more than to than to take them out behind the woodshed. I really would. But they're not good enough to even you know even play in the Premiership right now. So exactly, Andrew. What you, what's your thoughts on the the, the Alan Pardew and uh, Sunderland? Because I, I I kind of agree with. Um, with Chris, there. what do you think on it? Um, Alan Pardew, um, uh, he did a lot of bad things in Newcastle, but he did some good things as well. But I think um, the, the kind of hatred towards him overshadowed um, a lot of the positive things. Like, you know, that, I, I always remember that, that, that season we finished fifth, uh, fifth. It was a very enjoyable season. Uh, we, had, it had a, we had some great players, and then... Um, the season afterwards, we didn't build on it, and then we kind of had another chance to 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 have a good team with you know Kabai and Remy was there, but Dol Dol wanted there were players that were being bought for the wrong reasons. There were there were, there were players who wanted to use Newcastle as a stepping stone, and you know was that Alan Pardew's fault? Was that Mike Ashley's fault? I think that's, that's Mike Ashley's fault. I think Pardew did as, be, as best he could under a very difficult situation um you know so that being i mean i don't wish bad on on the, on on the man you know i mean i know he's 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 ridiculed and hated by a lot of people and, and he brings a lot of that on himself to, to be honest but you know it's just it is what it is but regarding sunderland um i hope they go into oblivion and never come back and go into administration <laughs> and die um, you know That's i, I just i don't i don't want to ever play them ever again i don't want them to sully St James's Park, and I don't want to hear smell a stench anywhere near my my football club, my my, my football stadium. Um, they're a they're a horrendous they're a horrendous football club with horrendous fans, and that Adam Johnson thing just pretty much sums up Sunderland Football Club. This is karma for that. Okay, yes, now exactly. Lee, Lee, I've, after you said Lee, I've got John on the line after you, so he's, he's the last call of the team. So tell Pop. me what your thoughts, Lee. <laughs> Pardew. Pardew and Pardew. The thing is with Pardew, right? Um, I've got... If he wasn't... Uh, one particular thing I remember about Pardew was... Um, you know, I remember I was beating Chelsea. He beat Chelsea to James 2-1. CC has scored twice. And I was in the car going home listening to BBC Radio Newcastle. And uh, he comes on, he's getting interviewed. He dedicates the result to Mike Ashley. Yeah. Fully known, fully well. <laughs> We're thoroughly known full well that we're all thinking he's an absolute twat, and he was basically just—he <laughs> was basically just playing up to him straight away. Yeah. And as for all the lads who were using us as a stepping stone, I, I kind of I do agree with Andrew to agree. But as far as I'm concerned, he Alan Pardew was complicit in every single little seal. He was like, "Oh, we've got to do it. 
We've got, oh, we've got to do it for this. It was all like Mike, Mike, he was just licking up his hoop all the time, a bit like Steve McLaren. As for Sunderland, I, I, I would like to play Sunderland again if they're going to League One. Pull them in the cup, play the strongest team we've got ever, smash them out of existence, and then they can go, then they can, then they can go to hell, they can go and rot. At wherever I would, love to, I would love them. To, I would love to see them playing gates and shit like that. It would be absolutely hilarious. And everything yeah. and everything that's happening to them is a result of the karma, I believe, for the Adam Johnson affair. It's absolutely wonderful what's happening to them. It's just, it, I mean, the stadium, everything. They're just the, the, the most horrible fan base on the existence of this earth. So what ha- what's happening to them is absolutely wonderful. I feel no. I feel no. There'll be no tears shed for me. What's happened to that club? It's magnificent. Okay, I'll go. I'll get to our last guest this evening, and that's uh, John. Good evening, John. How are you? I think he's there. Uh, hiya. <laughs> hiya. How are you doing? So, how are you doing? So how are you doing, man? John, I'm good. We're doing all right, John. I've been on your you. travels. So tell me, what's, what's been? Obviously, we're talking about Newcastle, the the win on Saturday, and we're now talking about Alan Pardew and. Uh, the fact that he's walked it, walked it, and then you got Mike Ashley's uh, cohort uh, going up to um, to, to Rafa Benitez. So a lot of things for you to discuss. What what's your thoughts on all of it? Mm, it's got a few in there. Well, I mean, um, on the game, on the game, I mean, um, we needed to win that game on Saturday, and um, just glad we got the three points. And um, I think we're pretty much safe now. Like if we win one more game, and. Um, where are we going to get that win from? I don't know. But um, I hope that um, when we get something, and um, we'll be safe. And that's Alan Pardew. Oh, dear, what a shame he's gone. Because we wanted to beat uh, West Brom while he's there. That's yeah. then I'm doing. <laughs> and just to, just to rub his nose in it, man. I mean, you know. And um, he's got to be, for me, he's the worst friendship manager ever in 25 years. I mean, how many jobs he's had in the Prem? About five. Yeah, no, no. Hey, John, John, you're right too, man. Because you know he talked about how he to follow up what you just said. He talked about how he wasn't backed at Newcastle and they never gave me players and blah blah blah. You know they gave him money and they gave him players at Crystal Palace and they gave him money and gave him players at West Brom and he basically ran it off, ran them off a cliff. Yeah, and then now he's slinking. Now he's slinking out the back door. So what he should have done is he should have stayed with that club and gone down with them because it was his fault. You know, now he gets to say, "Well, I never, I didn't take him down." Oh yes, you did, Chris. Chris, can I say something? You're absolutely right, Emmett. He's got to be the one of the biggest foot ever to be in the Premier League. I mean, he's got to be the biggest manager of pair ever, sort of thing. I don't know if he's getting, but. I mean, it's just a totally complete failure sort of thing. Absolute failure. Wherever he's been, I mean, uh, what can I say? I mean, um, well, the one he's thing, the one thing I say about Pardew, normally, his only success, his only success was Newcastle when he took him. He took him eight. He took took him well, fifth. Well, Crystal Palace as well. But the thing about when he went in there, you know, especially Crystal Palace, especially, he wins a lot of games. But actually, the one team I didn't expect them, I, I did kind of think. I don't know what you think, John, and everybody else can jump in, but when, when, I, when he went to Crystal Palace, I did think he was going to be there for a, a substantial period of time, but again, at Crystal Palace, he, <coughs> he fought with the American part owners who came in who wanted a bit more um, 
a sports science brought in. And that's why they brought in Big Sam, because, you know, he's... Oh, my God, did you just refer that out? The the ego won't accept what to be told, well, we would like you to do this, that, and other. He doesn't... That's a problem with him. That's why the press like him, because when it comes to players, he can't do enough to the press lads to say, oh, I want to speak to this player, I want to speak to that player, and this player's a bit like this, be careful with them, don't say this to them. So he kind of goes out of his way to the press guys, how they talk to the players, but that's why so many press guys always seem to push him to different clubs. So that's the reason behind it, I think. Andrew, you referred to Sam Allardyce as Big Sam. Never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> he will. He will literally. Rec- he would literally have heard that, recorded it, played his players, and say, "Look at my ego. I'm Big Sam. Big Sham. Big Sham." <laughs> but the thing is, I must admit, with the game coming up on the weekend, and John, what's your thoughts on it? Because I'm obviously Leicester seem to be winning home and away. They're on a bit of a roll. I think it'll be difficult for Newcastle. Um, obviously, Slamani's not going in the squad, so um, you know they, I think we'll go. I think we'll go very, very cautious. <laughs> we'll, we'll be lucky to get a draw, but it would be mm-hmm. interesting to see how we play against them because effectively they're going to play the same way we do. Really, would you think? Absolutely. I mean, both teams are going to go off this. I mean, we both both teams are playing really, really well. We could go to Leicester. And just give it a right go because um, we got nothing to lose there. It's not going to be easy though because Leicester are a good team at home. They got they got Vardy, they got Mares, they got um, a team that are fantastic on the counter attack. They got speed, movement, and if you can just stand close and down sort of thing, just get on the radio, then um, obviously be be okay. But I take a draw right away. I definitely take a draw. Because, but um, hey, gentlemen, gentlemen, they. The Newcastle United is like one of the most informed sides in the entire league. Absolutely. I mean, I know yeah. that I know that I know that we're used. They've lost to Man City, they've lost to they've lost to Liverpool, and that's it in the in the yeah. league. You know, they got beat by Chelsea, Chelsea, but that's it. That is it. They've lost to Man City, who's one of the greatest teams to maybe ever play in the Premiership. You know, I mean, it's just crazy how good they are, and they've lost to Liverpool. And remember, let's be honest, it was touch and go there for a while until they finally until Liverpool finally broke through. And Liverpool's one of the hottest teams in the premiership and one of the top you know, one of the top teams. I'm not afraid of anybody right now Agreed. as a Newcastle fan. Yeah. Except for Manchester City. I'll go for as well. I mean you look at the Newcastle team we've got, the way we play them is frankly. And not only that, we're playing fantastic stuff. And, um, and not only that, we're not as cautious as we have been. We're just having a go at these teams, you know what I mean? Especially at home. I mean, you try to get an early goal, and then the, other, the opponent's got to have to change their formation sort of thing, change their style of play. And um, we're just doing our own thing. I mean, John George Shelby's been fantastic. Diami's been quality. Oh, Diami's been fantastic. John, I think... I think, John, honestly, I think people get the results when the result finishes sometimes and let's say we drew 1-1 against your Burnleys or things like that, mixed up with the word, in other words, you use there, cautious, right? You can't yeah. literally, in some of the home games, since probably West Ham, West Ham away, we had Everton and Arlem in the end, 
we should have been two or three in a little bit half time and each and every single one of those oh absolutely, absolutely. Oh, how, oh, how, oh how about the away games how about beating yeah. Bournemouth how about we running need, Bournemouth off their own pitch how about Burnley as well right it, I mean, so that's the problem lads right I think sometimes when the final whistle goes and you see a draw some people go oh we didn't play well today well we bloody did we just didn't play, take with chances and because we've yeah. got we've got £5 million centre-forwards which we bought because we didn't spend any money on proper centre-forwards, you're going to get that. Your top goal scorer had five goals. But if you get a guy like Slomani who's worth £30 million, you will see the difference instantly when we start creating chances. Yeah. Yeah. Lee, no, absolutely. Absolutely, guys. I just hope in the summer, right, um, if Rafa's still like that, and he's going to be here next season, I'm sure he will because um, we've got this TV money coming in, £120 million. Go out there and get a top class striker sort of thing. I mean, I watch gentlemen. If they can keep, if they can keep Silimani, John. If they can keep Silimani, the number one guy on my list is the guy at Borussia Dortmund that Chelsea let go to Dur- Borussia Dortmund. Uh, that's right. That is the number one guy on my list. He is he is just itching to get back into the Premiership, just like the dude that, who's at Liverpool right now. He, I forgot that guy even played in the Premiership because Chelsea just cast. He didn't do anything for Chelsea, and they cast him aside. Now he's the best striker in the darn EPL. It's Salah. It's crazy. I didn't even realize he played for Chelsea. The interesting one mm-hmm. I found, I'll give this to Andrew, but the interesting thing about... Um, the Kennedy situation because I remember when he came over here there was no chance in hell we'll be there after having and now we believe that there's an agreement in place to buy him for 12 to 15 million Andrew that's got to be something that Newcastle wants the, the future of Rafa Benitez <coughs> sorted that needs to happen quickly yeah, I don't think uh, Kennedy's got any future at Chelsea at all um, he's uh, He's, he's just one of these players that they fought to kind of send out on loan and stockpile. But, but for us, he's been, he's been absolutely tremendous. Um, he's given us that little bit of creativity, that little bit of class in the final third, which we haven't had. Um, and, and these last two home games, he's made such a difference. He's, he's uh, created two, scored two. Um, and he's, he's an intelligent lad as well. Um, he's got that extra little bit of uh, extra little bit of quality that 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 we need, and and I think it will be I think it will be a no-brainer to uh, to to uh, make make the uh, uh, the deal permanent. I hope we do anyway. I, I really do. I think the problem is that because we don't know where we are. Yes, 35 points. I think Lee will know this more than me, but I think uh, that's eight points, including the goal difference. From the third team down, is that right, uh, I mean, Andrew, effectively, I, I was looking at it yesterday. Effectively, Southampton, Southampton and Stoke have to win three games in a row and Newcastle have to continue, continue to lose to get above us. That's a tough but, ask. You, you've got to you've got to remember the goal difference is worth an extra point as well because yeah no it's like it's like having an extra point it's like having an extra yeah. point having the goal difference and you know what's fantastic when you've just touched on the goal difference there I would love them two chances Gary Neville and Jimmy Carragher to come out and see us something now about our performance against Manchester. Yeah, hey <laughs> hey Lee Lee you read yeah. I mean uh, Andrew re, Andrew retweeted me and favorited my tweet when I said that those idiots everyone's going to look on look on you know the Manchester City games. Um, and they're going to say, oh, well, maybe Newcastle did have it right whenever they basically parked mm. the bus and shot the tires out. Bizarre, because yeah. that bizarre, goal difference is going to be huge. Bizarre, bizarre, isn't it, Chris, that Rafa Benitez, a world-class manager, knows what he's doing. 
Yeah, yeah, I know. It is kind of, <laughs> there was, there, hey, it was kind of funny though to see some of the people start turning on Rafa in 2000. Yeah, and like just a couple months ago, when the results, even though they were ties, oh, no. they were saying, "Well, maybe maybe he's not. Maybe he doesn't quite know what he's doing." Andrew, um, you know, you know, you know, you know, maybe you know, maybe he's not making the right sub. Andrew, <laughs> you know, so it's it's kind of funny how everything's all working out now. <laughs> well, it's going to be, give me a scoreline, John, before we head off. If, Give me a scoreline for Saturday. Before I give you a 1-0 Newcastle. Before I give you a scoreline quickly, guys, about, um, just want to say something about Jamal LaSalle, so you look for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Right. Can I just say something, right? That ain't going to happen. I mean, 30 yeah. million is not enough to buy his big score, right? 30, if they 30, 30, million, 30 million wouldn't buy his right bollocks. <laughs> well, exactly. the problem is, he's not a ball-playing centre-half, and that's what they wanted, Chelsea. If you look at, if you look at it's Cahill, a ball playing centre half. Well, you can't even get in the team. So why would you? Why would you? Why would you bring in? Like somebody actually asked me today that Chelsea being linked with him, and I was thinking, why would Chelsea, who overpay for everything, who don't seem to be, have just started to realise they've got an academy, uh, they're, they're putting players in. They're putting players in because they've got no other option. Like well, and they and they just send everybody out on loan. They send everybody out on loan instead of. I mean, they just buy up everybody and then send everybody out on loan, and then those guys become amazing and go play for other clubs. I mean, it's just, you know, I don't know. I don't know what Chelsea's a piece. Chelsea's interesting how they've gone about it, but they have won titles like every other year, guys. <laughs> yeah. so, um, John, what do, you, what do you think the score's going to be? Um, okay, let's start. I'll go in a minute. I mean, I don't think they're going to get beat. I'm gonna see a two-two draw. You think they're gonna? You really think the Newcastle's gonna give up two goals? <laughs> Golly, I think Newcastle's well, defense. It, well, well, Jamie Vardy does does give does worry me about Yedlin. Yedlin might screw up and let Vardy go by him. The thing about Leicester, yeah, team, the, thing about the, the thing about Leicester, their team. You got Morgan at the back lane, and if you you can see, they've got to try and take him out and make him go out wide because. He's a set, he's a central defender with no pace whatsoever, but they've got to, if they go at him, that's the thing. I think because the teams are very evenly matched, but they, <laughs> they haven't got a very good defence. They've never really had a they've never had a real good defence for a long, long time. But they're winning every seemingly every week now. So um, it's, I think it's going to be it's going to be a tremendous game and very open. But you think two two? What do you think, Lee? Five nil Newcastle. Andrew, I'll be a little bit more pragmatic and say one one. <laughs> That's what I'll be. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, uh, Chris? Did you say? I remember you said. Hey, hey! By the way, other Andrew, I wasn't ragging on you. I was ragging on our host. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, no, I knew that. The, 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 so, no, no, hey, Andrew, I don't. I mean. Guys, if anything, I see a nil-nil draw that's just exciting as heck, you know, where guys are making saves left and right. I mean, maybe 1-1. I just don't see Newcastle giving up more than one goal, unless Vardy just does one of those amazing things. You know, like when he, you know, when he took the ball on the fly off that great, off that pass and just shot it in the corner. Those types of things, what are you going to do? Or if Mares just does something amazing. Um, other than that, I think Newcastle. I really think Newcastle can play with this team. I mean, I really think they can go get a result. I say one one. I think Newcastle will lose two nil, but that's just me. But anyway. Oh, you think you, th- you think they'll uh, lose two 0 Yeah, I can't see them win against a team like that. I think um, a team like that. 
I think they're they're just on form. I think um, well, what are we? the way they've been playing lately. I just think the way the way that they, you know, they they they, con- they construct. I think the, obviously Newcastle missed chances on Saturday. I just think they 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 take chances more than what Newcastle have been doing. But that that's well, no, and and I can kind of hear that if 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 the army was not playing. If Diami and Shelby were not at the level that they're playing right now, I could see that, Andrew. But Diami just is like in a different world. You talk about a guy that they need to sign long term. I don't know what's happened to him. He's like Teote with touch. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he just, uh, my gosh, he's been fantastic. He's, he's Teote without getting the yellow cards. You know, rest in peace, check. I mean, it's, uh, it's, he's been a revelation. He's been a revelation. He's why these other guys can't get on the pitch. You know, Marino has no chance of making the pitch. Neither does Hayden did, right now. I did expect, um, I must have the way that Marino had been talking, I did think Marino would be in on the team on Saturday and Perez would have been out just for the fact that Marino um, said in a press conference or interview that uh, Rafa's plan was him to be further upfield and uh, creating. And uh, I think maybe because he's, every time I see Marino, He's a bit like um, Perez. He's not putting on weight. He's still quite, he's he's still quite slight. And uh, maybe the back injury that you know they're saying that there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of competition. That's why I didn't. That's why I wasn't on the bench. So it was interesting, considering that he did that interview. I did, I did think he was going to be in the team. But you know, when I hear them, when I hear Rafa say there's so much competition and they're beating him. Well, that's not. Maybe that's because of the, the back injury that um, is making him maybe not put in, not able to go 100%. So it's interesting. It's well, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing Marino. I wouldn't mind seeing Marino and uh, and Salamani. Salamani. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, have 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 Marino play Perez's role just to see. There's no doubt that Perez does so much that we just don't see on the box score. You know, he tracks back. He helps defend. I mean, Benitez loves him. He, you know, he's – I mean, and I think there was – I saw a stat with, like, Newcastle's 8-1-1 one, and one when Perez plays, and they're like 2-9 and whatever whenever he's not in the game. I mean, clearly there's something to that, guys. But uh, I would like to see Marino. I would like – I mean, I thought that, that Newcastle has been crying out for a, you know, a number 10, you know, a guy that can create – Right there in front of you know, in, in front of the midfield, and that'd be a great choice because then you could yeah. have Diame, Shelby, and Marino on the field at the same time. Yeah, we'll see what happens next week. I've got my main guest next week is going to be Ian Crocker, who was at the match yes on Saturday. So we'll be back next week. We'll see what we'll see what formation Newcastle play. Thanks a lot, gentlemen, for tonight. As ever, I do appreciate. Always it. a pleasure, guys. Always we'll a pleasure. Yeah. Next week. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. I'll be out too late Got nothing in my brain That's what people say mm-hmm. That's what people say mm-hmm. I go on too many days But I can't make them stay At least